Hey. Hey, this is Kelsey. This is Cordercast. We're switching up the format. Trying something new. Uh, so this week is Holy Fingers. Let's take a listen to Ceremony.
So that was Ceremony by Holy Fingers, this week's guest. Before we get to the talk, I want to thank everyone for their support. A lot of bands have been interested in this. If everything goes well, we should have shows for you every other week until well into the fall. So thanks so much. And if you know of a Baltimore or DC band that might like to talk with me, feel free to reach out to CorridorCast at gmail.com. Also new, we now have a Twitter and a Facebook page. Those are both at CorridorCast. Should be easy to find. And as always, please subscribe on iTunes or Google Apps. So Holy Fingers is this week's guest, and uh, I do have to apologize. Generally, I think that you should never apologize for anything you put out into the world, but the sound quality on this one is honestly not great. I take responsibility for that. Uh, I had to use a lot of noise reduction, which kind of makes everybody sound a little weird, but hopefully that won't take away from what the band's saying because it was a really interesting talk. Holy Fingers, if you don't know, is kind of a dark brooding band, and they use visuals in their performances, which I think are super interesting. It's a full-on experience when you go see them live, which I would highly recommend. So we talk a little bit about those visuals, how they got to their sound, and also the process of collaboratively writing lyrics. That's not something I've heard of other bands doing necessarily, so that was kind of cool to talk to them about that. And we also go over their switch from an instrumental band to one with vocals. So without further ado, here's that conversation. Music from D.C. and Baltimore You'll find it all here on Corridor. Waltzes or cut time or straight for four. You'll find it all here on Corridor. Thanks for having me over. Um, to start with, so everyone can kind of recognize your voices, can you introduce yourselves to start with you? Sure. My name's Theron Melchior and I play drums. And I'm Josh Weiss and I play guitar. Uh, Tracy Buchanan, I play bass and sing. I'm Dave Cannon and I play guitar. Great. So let's start with like the history of Holy Fingers. How did you guys get started? Well, Dave and I met through Craigslist probably what six years ago, seven years um, ago. I don't remember exactly, but it was it's been a while. Um, and and Dave and I and another drummer were playing for a while instrumental stuff. Um, and then that drummer left. We hooked up with Theron, who I knew from um, some other bands. And we kept playing instrumental for a while. <laughs> and then met up with Tracy when she was playing with Monster Museum and uh, talked about doing some vocal stuff. We never looked back. <laughs> so what was the shift like going from instrumental to having a vocalist? Um, you go ahead. Well, it was funny. When we first started playing, we never decided that we were going to be an instrumental band. We just sort of never had any kind of vocals. And then when Tracy joined, we were kind of like, are we still going to be instrumental? Do we care? Right. So luckily it all, it felt really natural as a progression of the band. And I think it, it was kind of getting a little stagnant also. You know, we've been playing the same songs for a long time, and it was like definitely like a breath of fresh air having Tracy join and having having vocals in the band. Yeah, and I think that that idea of it being natural is like all through this band. The first time Dave and I played, it was like it just felt yeah. perfect. Like we just really hit it off really well. And same with Theron when he came in, and same with Tracy. It all just it just went perfectly. So. 
It's a beautiful thing when it all fits together, right? Totally. <laughs> now, um, Trace, this is probably a good question for you. So the songs, the instrumental songs, did you kind of write lyrics on top of them, or did you guys scrap that and write whole new, new things? Um, no, we definitely do have a couple of the older Holy Finger songs that we have um, worked on lyrics for. Uh, part of part of our processes, it's actually a collaborative lyrical writing process. Oh, really? So, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of unique um, in that respect. Uh, Josh and Dave have a very large hand in like the words that everybody hears, and um, you know, I'll add and edit some of them. But like, you never really know whose perspective the song is from. So it's, it, I think it adds like it adds a lot to the music. Um, and then Theron, you know, is always coming up with really great melodies as well. I can hear him humming behind the drum kit. So, <laughs> so I'll grab those every once in a while. But it's it's a different process than what I'm used to, and it's one that I really enjoy. Um, you know, since we have been able to work on some of the older songs and kind of breathe new life into them, but also the newer stuff that we're working on. Yeah, that's cool. All the bands that I've been in, it was the singer wrote the songs, wrote the lyrics, I should say. And so uh, is that difficult to be collaborative in some ways? Or do you feel like it kind of makes it stronger having all those different voices? What, what is the process like? Um, I think it helps give ownership to everybody in the band as opposed to, you know, the singer writes, you know, the lyrics and sings the lyrics and, and they're very in touch with what they're singing. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll get emails from Dave with like just lyrics that aren't necessarily written for a song, but you know, a couple months later we might write something. I'll go back just looking for words to mush mouth over a jam that we're doing and lo and behold, they fit, you know, same thing with with Josh sending stuff over. So, and sometimes I will write lyrics start to finish, but I mean, it honestly, it ends up being a, a collaborative effort on almost every, almost every song really. Mm -hmm. So, and I, it, it wasn't something that we ever really decided. It's just, I think we all, we, we all kind of come from a similar place in terms of what we like. We all, I mean, the lyrics that we write are all, we all kind of like, creepy stuff <laughs> <laughs> there's kind of an eerie sound at least like I, to be honest i was listening to some of the songs on being camp i couldn't quite catch all the lyrics but the sound is kind of uh brooding i guess you could say so that kind of leads me to my next question how did you guys come across that sound i know that can be a little difficult to answer but um, i guess what what were your influences that led into that well, the the music or the lyrics? Well, both? both, both. I mean, right now I'm kind of talking about the music, but, you know, if you want to talk about the lyrics, I think that's good. I'm not sure. It was funny, like, the first time I played with Josh, the sound that he had been working on with Spence was, like, almost exactly what I had been hearing in my head and, like, playing in my bedroom. Uh, it was kind of uncanny. Yeah. No, I remember after the very first time we played together, like, I remember thinking, like, through a lot of that, I would think that I was playing one, I'd be hearing some melody and think that I was playing it, and then I'd realize later, like, no, that was actually Dave playing that, and I was <laughs> doing something else. I, I so, uh, you're saying Dave can literally read your mind? He can literally <laughs> read my mind. <laughs> um, and, and I think, I mean, one of the things that, like when we both started playing together and, and doing a lot of instrumental stuff, we were both listening to earth a lot. I think we kind of bonded over that. Mm -hmm. And 
um, Link Ray and John Fahey. Like we were kind of really into that sort of um, eerie instrumental guitar, um, and that I think we just kind of have built on that. Um, when we played together at that Metro Gallery, you guys had the video. Is that uh, unfortunately I haven't seen you guys since then? That's a shame. But um, is that something you guys always do? Do you always have a visual element? Oh, that's cool. So talk to me about that. Like, um, who puts those visuals together? What do you think they add to the to the experience? Um, I mean, typically the projections are either Josh or myself. Um, we're working on a new one for the show on Saturday at Wind Up, um, which is kind of, you know, share some stuff between yeah. the two of us, and then somebody will finish it. Um and then as far as the candles go, that, I don't know, who, who started that? I think, you, I think was that it, was you. Was it me? <laughs> I don't like stage lights. They really bother yeah. me. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm a fan of low lighting. Um, but I think, it, I think it came after the first show when, you know, somebody said to me, give the audience an experience. And everything's kind of come from that comment you know just a little bit um you know because the music and the vocals to me it's kind of like wrapping yourself in a warm creepy blanket um so i think like the low lighting and the projections only add a holy blanket (laughs) that's actually the perfect way to describe (laughs) it when i listen to you guys (laughs) right on a creepy blanket well i've always um kind of thought in my head like what kind of like light show I would do if I had the budget because one of my one of my one of my past jobs I uh, I worked for a lighting and sound company so we would do you know these big we would do like big light shows for concerts and we did experimenting with like 3d mapping for bands and like different multi-layered projections uh, like while a band was playing so I've always kind of like been ruined something in my mind about what I wanted to do but it's a neat way to add light without, like, you know, cheesy red and blue par cans mm-hmm. on the band. It's just a little more interesting. Yeah, I mean, it definitely adds, like, a theatrical element. Um, do you... do? What do you think it adds to, like, the stories that you're telling through your songs? It's a good question. Um, I mean, I, I kind of... The stuff that we write isn't... I mean, it's not very, this is the right way to describe it, but it's not like we write personal songs that are about, you know, a a person and this is what they were doing. It's not a narrative. It's not, yeah, they're not really narratives. I think the songs that we write, the words and the music are more about, you know, presenting this idea and and then pushing that idea along. I mean, even in the way we play it, we, we... you know, we're not an improv band, but we do a lot of just improvising within the structure of whatever, whatever song we're playing. So I think I think the the video part of it just sort of adds to that. You know, it's about creating a mood or an atmosphere more than about telling us a, a particular story. One of our songs is a very particular story. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's that? Um, Destroying light. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's sort of. I mean, again, it's creating an atmosphere, but it was based on the a story of a scientist who um, 
died during an experiment with the early um, um, nuclear energy. Oh, wow. Um, the reactor cores. The reactor cores. He, he was exposed to radiation, died like I think a couple months later or something. Um, but it was, it's a really interesting story because it was kind of at this point in history where you know, nobody, nobody really knew that much about what they were experimenting with and you know, they were very casual about He's he's wearing shorts and a t-shirt and he's just sitting there with like I think he had a pencil in between the two halves and it was something about that and then when the two halves touch that's what causes the reactor to... Isn't that how the microwave oven was invented? Something like that? Could be. They were working with microwaves and like I heard a story about a a candy bar melting in the vicinity. Oh that sounds familiar. It was like in someone's pocket or at least that's the story. Yeah. So how do you guys settle on that as a uh, subject? What was it about that that seemed songworthy? I read an article about it and thought it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Just immediately, like, and, and you know, I, I mean, to be perfectly honest, a lot of the words I, you know, I stole pieces of the words from the article and, and constructed them together in what I thought sounded like a cool song. But it was, I mean, it was really just, wow, that sounds really cool. I'm going to write something about that. So, a bit of a confession about that song. Like, I really, I, I really couldn't understand the lyrics, like, when we were practicing and playing. And it wasn't until we recorded it when I first could, like, really hear all the lyrics clearly. And it, like, blew my mind. <laughs> like, how good they were. And, like. That was all Josh on that one. Well, that, well also, he, like. And the delivery. We did some, like, awesome vocal stuff in the studio and I was just like wow it just blew my mind like <laughs> yeah. I'd never really heard all the lyrics like start to finish like that before really well, and that was I mean just more generally when we recorded the some of the vocal stuff that Tracy did with layering vocals on top of vocals and everything which is really like I mean I felt like it was a new like a completely new dimension to what we were playing and it is weird to play these songs for you know nine months or a year and then all of a sudden they sound completely different in, in a great way and now you have to sing backups on that and now, I, and now <laughs> someone else has to handle backup vocals so so you came up with someone in the studio and now he's got to live with it is that <laughs> well now he has to take like what I what I was singing vocally before um, since I have all these kind of slightly um, crazy harmonies well, I, I don't... It's different. I've never been a singer. I mean, I've done backups vocals before, but I have a very limited vocal range, and it just happens to work out really well with yes. the, the <laughs> harmonies that, that Tracy does. And vocally, it's right in my, my, small, my small range. So is that song on the tape that you guys put out? Or? That song, no. That song is on, will be on the record that... Um, coming out okay yeah i definitely want to talk about the record um so uh where did you record that uh we recorded at um developing nations with kevin burkson okay and um can you talk to me a little bit about the experience did did you um were you there for a while or did did you get the Um, tracks out quick or yeah we laid the tracks down in it was two days oh that's fast yeah, and then uh, 
I don't even think it was two full days, was it? Yeah. It was pretty full days, days, yeah. And then, and then another day of overdubs. Another two days of overdubs, maybe? Mm-hmm. Was it? Yeah. Two days of overdubs, that's right. Two smaller days. They weren't like as long. But. And then, uh, yeah, and then the mixing. You guys did most of that. Yeah, and Kevin was great to work with. Oh, um, yeah. I, mean, I was really excited to work with him because he's he caught the sound and just yeah knew how to do it and it was different than what he normally does too because he does a lot of like grindy crust metal sort oh of yeah that's definitely bands. not where you guys are I was really excited to record with him because he usually records much heavier stuff than than us um, and one of the things that I was really looking for was someone to kind of bring out that heavy you know not necessarily heavy sound but heavy feel in, in what in what we play and I think he he was really good at doing that there's definitely like a heavy groove that you guys caught like it's not like you're playing metal or anything but mm-hmm. there's definitely that like a Led Zeppelin kind of like drive to it mm-hmm. definitely cool um, so you um, you experimented a little with the vocals they were saying were there any other kind of like happy accidents you guys had in there the tinkling zither yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so probably, God, I want to say like 15 years ago, I bought this little, I think it's called a zither. It's like a little trapezoid-shaped instrument, stringed instrument, and I bought it at a thrift store for like a couple of dollars, and for years I've been like about to throw it away, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll just keep this thing, I'll find a use for it, and I finally found a use for it. We used it on one song, and it sounded sounded pretty good. Sounded like- yeah. Which song was that? The song is called Ceremony. Oh, okay. So, all right, that has a zither on it. I probably was listening to it and I thought it was guitar or something. It's very subtle at the beginning. Yeah. All right. Cool. And everybody made fun of me for calling it Tinkling Zither. <laughs> well, the Tinkling Zither is a instrument. That's the auto one. That's the. It's a piano that plays a zither for you. The Doors used it. It was like the. And Portisette. That's the. Uh, there's, a, there's a special name for it. Kind of weird. It's not tinkling zither. No. <laughs> yeah. We're calling it tinkling zither from now on, anyway. Um. So to jump back to the the tape you guys put out, the tape that just says "Holy Finger" self titled. Um. Mm-hmm. When when did you guys put that together? How long ago was that? Now. Gosh, we recorded that probably twelve, maybe two thousand twelve. Yeah, it was a while ago. Those are songs that we that we had forever, and um, they're all instrumentals. And um, we recorded that, and decided it, well, we recorded it right. I think right before we met up with Tracy and started doing vocal stuff. Looks like you're looking at me funny. No, it was a while <laughs> because you were for about a year. Yeah. So okay. Well, it took us a long. It took us a long time to put it, it to put it out. Yeah. Um, but and it almost felt weird putting out a tape of instrumental Holy Fingers when we had been playing with Tracy for a while. Um, sure. But it was nice to it was nice to document that. I, I, th- I think of that that tape or digital songs as like kind of that documenting that part of the band or that era of the band. Well, the other thing was that we were just two guitars and drums at that point, and we decided 
to put bass on the album and it sounded so good it was yeah. just like wow this <laughs> yeah. sounds so much better with bass so that's sort of like at that point it was like well maybe we should push for a bass player yeah <laughs> I kind of find that um, if it's just guitar with no bass, everything sounds like an intro. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. or at least most things just. Yeah, that's sound kind of what we were going for. Sure. <laughs> I always liked it because it was sort of, you know, it sort of went against the rules of what you do with like heavy music. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. Not having that bottom end is. And I think we felt a, a fair amount of pride in that. Like, yeah, we're two guitars and drums. Yeah, and that was kind of our. That was our thing. Well, it's something different, like, like you were saying. Yeah, right. that's cool. Um, but we definitely haven't we haven't looked back. No. You guys had actually asked me to sit in on bass. Hmm. On before the record. vocals, yeah. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I didn't even I, realize. I do remember that. that. It was after. Um, it was when I saw you guys at Scapescape, and. The experience of seeing the three of them play was kind of like what I would imagine doing peyote would be like. Um, I remember that's you the only me that. thing I know, I know, right? And this is like I was yeah, um, completely sober saying this, by the way. Um, and I think it was uh, I think it was Yuri who was just like, yeah, they. I was fawning over you guys, and Yuri was like, well, they had asked you to like, you know. Play bass on the record, and I was so busy then. Um, like, oh, musical those endeavors, guys. and I was just like, "Oh my god, I'm an asshole." Um, so yeah, I I, I kind of horned my way in. That was awesome. So. It worked perfect though because we had toyed with the idea of like Natasha, Elliot playing bass, and Jen Wasner, and like talk to them. It was awesome. like it never really was working out, which was awesome because it worked out perfect. We were waiting until. We were waiting for our perfect bass. match. Yeah. <laughs> it is how it works. I mean, it works really well. Yeah. That's a theme on this show. Like you said, perfect match. It made me think like being in a band is a lot like dating. You find the right combo of people. So I guess that was the same it thing. Is. I mean, I was a fan before I started playing. That's what drew me to it, though, was just the sound. The, like the two guitars sounded a little a little spooky, a little mm-hmm. Twin Peaksy, and like and a little heavy, kind yeah. of Sabbathy, and had the country twang in there, too. And, yeah, all of it. The surf twang. Yeah, yeah one of really the nice. one of the best uh, one of the best heckles we ever got was. Do you remember that guy yelled out when we were playing at Metro Gallery? This guy yelled out "Surf Sabbath." And I thought that was like such a such a perfect description of our our music at the time. Yeah, it was pretty dead on, actually. <laughs> So you um you didn't join in on bass just because of time things is that what it was? Yeah, I'm trying to remember what what all was going on. Um, which bands I was in at the time? Definitely Monster Museum. Early um, you were playing. With I them think I was. I saw you at uh, Asian Taste. Yeah. yeah, I think I was playing with Early American at that point as well. And there's only so much. There's only so much music that can fit in my head. Um, I tried the whole like four band thing at one time it's just not it's just not not, yeah it's not for me i really respect um musicians who can be in multiple bands um with varying sounds and and have it have it seem you know like like that's all they're doing at that given moment but i like to it's hard for me i want to give 110 percent to my musical endeavors and so um I think most of those people who do that are 
20 years old. (laughs) (laughs) No way. No, no. There are plenty of musicians in Baltimore who manage multiple projects at a time. Um, It seems like most of them are in multiple projects. Right, right. That's what I like about the city, though. When I moved here, it was, I think I was in five bands at one time because I was like, yeah, I'll join another band, another one. And then it got too much because they were overlapping in shows. Yeah, I was I like in, the one. Band. I was in two bands at once for a brief amount of time, and the first time that I had to play two shows in one night, I was <laughs> like, nope. I remember I had to play at Towson University, and I had to like throw my stuff in my car and like fly downtown and play another show. I was like, yeah, oh, I do not rough. have the energy for this. Um, so where did you live before you came to Baltimore? Uh, Colorado. Oh, wow. So yeah. was there a bit of culture shock there? And how long ago was it? Um, a bit, 10 years ago. Okay. But yeah, the scene here is great, though. The, it's a little more open than some scenes. I've lived across the country and um, overseas. And it's just a, people are a little more into meshing scenes together, whether it be art and music or dance and music, anything like that. It's just people cross-pollinate really well. And there's no... Some people I had met in other scenes are very stuck in one one set of music or one style of music. I didn't find that here when I moved here. That's cool. And fun. how about the rest of you guys? Are you um, Baltimore local natives or come from other parts? I, I, uh, I'm not a native. I moved here in 98 for grad school. Okay. And where did you come from? Uh, all over. Um, I went to college in Atlanta. Um, okay. Did you, South Carolina for a while. Did you play any music uh, when you were down south? Um, I did nothing. Nothing very steadily. Gotcha. Gotcha. How about you guys? I am from Hereford, um, so like northern Baltimore County. The Hereford zone. Yep, the mm-hmm. Hereford zone. <laughs> I've lived in Baltimore my whole life. Oh wow! Okay. Um, so what is your sense of the scene, you know, being a lifetime Baltimore lifer? Uh, I'm not as in touch with it as I once was. I'm definitely always excited by how much is going on, even if I'm not paying attention to it. Uh, I do feel like it's more of a young person's game, you know, like shaping shaping the scene and that whole like the way the different bands kind of play off of each other and influence each other I do feel like I'm sort of outside of that like I can enjoy it but I sort of have like my own you know like my own thing of what I want to do in my head less influenced by the local scene what would you say that is? What What is the sound you're trying to get in your head? Well, I guess if I went back to when I first started wanting to play this sort of like slow instrumental music, I sort of like, I sort of was thinking about surf music, like if you slowed it way down, uh, like instrumental surf music, but like real slow. And there's a couple books that I read well, I should say I listened to them on tape, but they they really influenced uh, me lyrically 
So a lot, a lot of times when I'm writing lyrics, I kind of think about, you know, like the images in my head when I listen to these books. Oh. Um, and then if I can jump to the songs that are up on Bandcamp now. Now, those are from the new record. One of them that was really interesting to me was uh, The Trees Bowed Deeply and Roared. <laughs> I really like that. I like the title. I like everything about it. So can you tell me a little bit about that song? Um, where did that come from? Was that like a jam? or? So the that is one of the songs where... Uh, that actually has a ripped off title. The title is uh, "The Trees Bowed Deeply and Roared" is um, is a line in uh, Jack Kerouac, uh, "The Dharma Bombs." Oh, okay. And I I remember reading that, and that line just stuck out to me. And I always like whenever I think of sort of stormy weather and trees and you know, anytime I see the trees outside kind of blowing in the wind I just it evokes that that line to me um, it's actually one of our oldest songs that's one oh, of our it? oldest songs yeah, yeah. so it, that started with the title and I was trying to come up with a riff that went with that title and then brought it in and, and Dave and I worked on it and and we recorded that's that song actually is on the the cassette um, the self-titled Holy Fingers cassette the instrumental one um and then um when we were working with tracy she said that's one that she wanted to write lyrics to so she wrote lyrics that i fit perfectly and it's still one of our favorite songs to play i think we probably played that at every show we've played maybe it's maybe, also our maybe shortest everyone, song it's also <laughs> our shortest song it's one of the hardest ones to play also yeah for me I got this long stretch I have to do, um, like a long pinky stretch that goes for like three quarters of the song. <laughs> I, I just tune tune my uh, two of my strings up a little bit, so I don't have to do the stretch. It's a, <laughs> it's a good workout. It's a good like pinky workout. Got to keep your pinky sharp when you're <laughs> playing guitar. It's true. <laughs> so, Josh and Dave, you guys both play in different tunings, like from each other, right? Uh, some songs. Some songs. A couple. We normally play in the same tuning, but we both tune everything down one step. So I guess that's called D standard. Yeah. And I never realized that. I play in standard. And I, yeah. Right. And we don't. (laughs) I never realized that. We tune down, but we don't actually change the names of the chords. So when I, Uh, so I'll I'll tell Tracy that we're playing in E, but we're actually playing in D. Yeah. Well, so, I think we're a little. We've got a little better. Sorry, good thing I don't know anything about theory. So just like whatever, I'm just gonna. So I guess you just adjust right. it by ear then. Yeah. So, oh okay. yeah. I. I've tried to learn theory. It's just something that eludes me. So. I don't think any of us think that hard about the. Mechanics of the songs. I think we just kind of play to feel. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, I did want to ask this. So, uh, the lyrics for the the trees bowed deeply were those also inspired by Kerouac or something completely different? Those were inspired by Mushmouth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we were just playing, and part of part of the process that I take is um, since I'm doing a couple different things at once. The easiest thing for me is to figure out the baseline first, mushmouth the melody over it. We record it because we record almost all of our practices. I don't know and if they, everyone knows what Mushmouth is. Uh, yeah, so when, when I when I when she first told when she first told me that she Mushmouthed 
lyrics. I was blown away. I had never heard of that before. And and then I started talking to other people who sing in bands, and they were like, oh, yeah, well, sometimes you just you just mush-mouth it until you have actual words. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to lie. I thought you were talking about a band, and I was just going to write it out and see what band you were talking about. Yeah. So she, so you just mumble I, melodies. I just mumble right? and say random words and kind of intentionally make it incoherent um, just to get the melodies down. And when you listen back to it, it's almost like the words write themselves. Um, and, and that, if, if I'm working on the lyrics, that's how I approach it. Um, or, you know, like Dave or Josh will bring in words and uh, sometimes I'll have enough to fill half the song and then I'll just mush mouth the rest of it. Um, and then just work from it that way. It's really the only way that I know how to write I, I get writer's block a lot if I try to sit down and write about a specific theme so I feel like this way it's just a little bit more um, natural it kind of writes mm. itself um, now this won't be going up for a couple of weeks but um, what are your future plans is the show that you have coming up soon uh, is that the CD release or is that happening later the uh, no it's not we're uh, we just got finished mostly finished with the mixing so we have to do mastering and um decide how to put formats. the yeah, yeah. For, what formats to use um um i really want to put out a vinyl and digital thing and not even bother with cds i don't know if people are really even buying cds these days i see a lot of people doing the vinyl thing though so yeah it's just really expensive yeah <laughs> it's really hard for and that's well in the wait time too i mean and, now and vinyl yeah. is so popular it's i think it's three months at least starting at three months and then it goes up from there i believe it and, and i used to i used to be i don't know a few a couple of years ago i was very i mean critical in my own way about you know how all these new bands are coming out and putting out cassette tapes which you know generally don't sound very good um, but but then uh, then it actually kind of makes sense because it's really cheap to put out a tape yeah. and you you know you sell a tape with a little download card and everybody everybody's happy but is that why you guys went with the tape for the the I guess the EP or the last one? Yeah, I mean, I, I think at that point we d we were originally going to put that out on vinyl, and and I think we decided because we had started playing with Tracy, and it just seemed like you know let's let's not spend a bunch of money on a vinyl for you know instrumental stuff that we're not really playing anymore. Um, and it was easy to do the to do the tapes and a download card. And, um, so I know you're just wrapping this one up, but uh, have you given any thought to, to what your next move is? Uh, any things you might want to try with the sound to try something new? Or where are you guys at? I feel like we already have. I mean, the new stuff that we're writing, um, I feel like the sound keeps on evolving. Yeah. But in like a natural direction. It's not, it's not like we... We're sitting around saying, well, let's try this, let's try that. Um, most of our songs just develop because we're down in the basement jamming. I think each yeah. one of us has a phone that has like, <laughs> like nine or ten songs, yeah. you know, new possible songs on, on them. Um, and so how can people find out more about you guys? Come to a show and talk to us. That's there the best go. way. Yeah, yep. um, we've got a band camp. 
page and a Facebook page, and we're all very easy to talk to. So we have an Instagram. I think it has like four pictures on there. So (laughs) I find Instagram very hard to keep up with. Yeah, it's hard to keep up with all the different social medias. I really like the idea of just coming to a show and talk to us. I'm glad. I'm glad you said that. We're really approachable. Well, these guys are. Um, I like to kind of wrap things up um, by asking about what advice uh, you would have for folks, you know, in a band. But um, before we get to that, is there anything you want to let people know about? Um, uh, Maybe other bands you're listening to that you think people might not know about and they should check out? Hmm. 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 I stumped them. Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, I, I've really been digging uh, Snakes, who are a Baltimore band. Oh, yeah. Theron yeah, knows. and George Cessna, he's, he went to Micah, and his dad and I used to play in Denver. Yeah, Slim Cessna, uh, right? Slim Cessna, yeah. yeah. And then I used to watch him come out on stage and play guitar when he was a little kid and stuff. Uh-huh. We'd open shows together. But yeah, he came out here, and he's he did a lot of his dad's sound, but now he's got his own. Kind of thing going in. Sounds good. It's a nice, nice different sound. Like Were you at that Metro show they did not too long ago? No, I didn't, get, oh, okay. I didn't make it down there. Yeah. I would say definitely Quattro Santa. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. yeah. 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 I can see you guys being like spiritual cousins. You both kind of have that yeah. like dark. We have to we have to try not to ask them to play every show because <laughs> whenever whenever we need a band, we're always like, oh yeah, Quattro Santa, <laughs> but. You guys ever thought about doing a split or something? We ha- yeah, I mean, we I should. talked to Joan about that. Um, I think they're they're getting ready to release something as well. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, you know, with this next round of recording, we can we can look at that or looking at re-releasing a single a single split. That would be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I had to politely decline the last show offer because we just played two shows in a row with them. <laughs> but we really could. I mean, I could play every show with. Yeah. Or it's just a good Nevada. match. I mean, you guys, yeah, you guys don't lot. sound the same, but it's close enough that it's like it's a really good match. So. Very moody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. Well, um, I'm gonna hit you with that last question. Then, um, what words of wisdom do you have for people in bands? Uh, you know, trying to do it either for fun, maybe trying to make it a career. Um. I would say just practice and practice until it feels like really comfortable and second nature to do it so you're confident enough to play in front of people. That would be my only advice. Yeah, I don't know if I have any... I mean, I I certainly don't know anything about making it a career, but, I mean, my perspective is there's always time. You can always find time to play music with people that you like and, and you know and you can still do it when you're 40 you can <laughs> yeah, still do it when you're 40 exactly. this is true. keep doing this is true. it yeah play a lot play in different bands you know different styles until you find Talk your forever band exactly yeah. keep, keep playing yeah Mine, um, mine would be it, Josh kind of just said on it until you find your forever band. Um, don't force it. Like if you're in a situation, it really is like a relationship. If you're in, if you're in a band and it doesn't feel right, and you're having to force it, and you're just not having fun. Yeah, it's not worth. Find it. something that find something that you enjoy, so you can be 
invested in it and engaged in it. There's always someone else who digs what you play, even if you're the only two people one. in the world. Who <laughs> so I will say, like I took a I took a long hiatus from playing in bands. I think I stopped playing in maybe like 90, 98 or ninety nine, and I didn't play for years until I met Josh, and like. I was always thinking like, God damn it, I should like start a band or join a band and I never did. And maybe if I have like one regret, like it was not continuing to play music for for those years. Well why'd you stop? Was it a conscious thing? Or? I was in a band and we were kinda we're going separate ways and I was about to go to college seriously and full time. So we kinda broke up with the intent that we would maybe start playing again, but we never did. Well, I didn't play drums until, yeah. I mean, you asked me to play drums and I was... Yeah. I hadn't played in, I think, 10 years or something, drums, because mm-hmm. I played bass mostly. The last time I played was with Dan Dabochka. I played drums mm-hmm. at a show. And that was like... I think that was the last time I played drums publicly. And so it's kind of nerve-wracking. I practiced on pillows and stuff before right. I came well, They were pretty well-known, right? Were you, yeah, were you, yeah, they were, yeah. They were all friends and from Colorado neighbors in the same neighborhood we all kind of uh played all the same venues and stuff so, oh cool cool so yeah. They, yeah they're doing a whole different level of yeah. music <laughs> um well all right guys uh thanks so much for for this and uh, yeah I, I hope to see you guys soon uh and, and i hope the show goes well thank you thanks, thanks for having us Thanks for listening, and thanks to Holy Fingers for being on the show. Before we wrap it up, I have some San Labrada and San Labrada adjacent news to share. Uh, tonight, when this goes out, October 13th, Rain will be having a tarot card reading 9 p.m. at Golden West Cafe. Stop by and say hi. Later this month, we have a double feature with friends of the show, Double Motorcycle. I'm super excited about that. I consider it like a mini tour. August 25th will be at Guido's and Frederick. The next day, August 26th, will be a Metro Gallery in Baltimore. Hope to see you guys there. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.